Hey everyone, this is Thea, and I want to welcome you to the corner of here and now, where we talk about real life, recovery, success, spirituality, and anything else that might come up right here, right now. Hold on to your seat, because we're in for a ride. to the corner of here and now. Today is Sunday, uh, November 22nd, and it's two of, well, 2.12 of the 52, so it's 13 of 52. What the heck? That's freaking crazy, y'all. What was I thinking when I came up with this idea? Ugh. But I'm going to keep rolling. If anybody gets tired of me, you can send me an email at cornerofhereandnow at gmail.com. You can let me know. Or if you have a topic you'd like for me to bounce around. Remember, I'm not the end-all, be-all, but if you want to throw it out there, I would love to answer some questions. Um, or if you have an idea for a guest, I'd love to hear that as well. Speaking of guests, I have uh, an awesome gentleman here with me today that is going to share some of his experience in strength and hope. I actually don't know this guy very well. Actually, just been in meetings together, and we have some uh, really good mutual friends and uh, so I thought I would invite him on. So what I'm going to actually do is I'm just going to open it up. And if you would uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, if you want to just do like a short little blur, an elevator pitch. Sure. Okay. Hi, Go my name is Chaz. Um, thank you, Thea, for having me be here. Sure. That's, I know you're uh, particular on who you allow in your circle, so it's an honor <laughs> to be here without a doubt. Um, let's see. My name is Chaz. I'm a transplant to Texas from um, New York. And I guess, you know, this is about recovery, right? Mm -hmm. Recovery. So, um, just so everybody knows, uh, my first meeting was in 1988. Um, I didn't get clean right away. I wasn't willing to get clean right away. Um, and as a direct result of that, even though the suggestion has never changed, um, I didn't get clean until 95, and I've been clean mm -hmm. since October 10th, 1995. Um, and I've gone through a lot of ups and downs personally, professionally, in my own recovery, and um, a lot of times I just think I'm hanging on for the ride <laughs> and life is just uh, pulling me along. Sometimes my decisions um, to this day aren't the best, um, but they're a lot better than they used to be. I'm still grateful to be in recovery and still excited about participating in recovery. So um, I don't introduce myself as a grateful addict because I still think words are really cheap and it's got to show in my actions more than anything else. So that's pretty much. How's that? That's good. There's even some topics in there. Oh, okay. Awesome. How do you show your gratitude through action? Um, I still participate in my own recovery, and when people allow me, um, I participate in theirs a little as well, whether it's through sponsorship or doing service with them. Mm -hmm. um, this has changed service. This whole year has changed kind of service to the fellowship. Yeah. Um, I'm... You know, um, still taking on new sponsees and doing my best to, to take them through the steps um, and share my experience with them. Um, taking commitments that didn't exist eight or nine months ago now, yeah. as far as um, online meetings. Mm -hmm. um, and still, still just engaged with the fellowship in general, but 
trying to live a life according to the principles that I learned in Narcotics Anonymous. So, Have you always been an NA guy? No. No, actually, um, well, I was both. Okay. I went to both um, because I was confused about where I fit in. Um, and I, even then, though, I, I kind of treated – the fact that I celebrated in both my first two years – yeah. Kind of proved that I'm a dope fiend more than anything else because I got four <laughs> cakes my first two years. So, uh, but eventually uh, just came to a place where, and, and a lot of respect and a lot of love for the other fellowship. But um, I did find when I shared my story, I always came to a point where I had to apologize for what I was about to share because alcohol took me to other places. Gotcha. And um, I realized that I was apologizing to people who weren't even there while I was using. Um, but I had to apologize for my story. I felt the need to apologize for my Ooh. own story in that room. And that's when I made the decision not to go back. That's 23 years ago now. Um, there was no get out of here, kid. You belong over there. There was none of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I had also had sponsors who taught me the tradi traditions and shared with me their experience with your traditions. Mm -hmm. And um, I really uh, value that knowledge and experience and um it just wasn't home anymore for me yeah you know they are very different mm -hmm. my experiences they are very very different fellowships and it's a very very different process and that's with having commitments in both having done the work in both understanding the literature in both mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it just wasn't home anymore so since then nothing i think i've made one aa meeting in 23 years to watch somebody celebrate that was it do you think you outgrew it on some level? Not for lack of a maybe, better way to put it. Maybe I'm sitting here thinking. Maybe because be, to be perfectly honest with you, that's what was the catalyst for my decision not to go there any longer. But you know, in, in looking back on it and and trying to really understand why I had made that decision, the work I did beyond that, you know, I also came to an understanding that I really only made those meetings because they were much more socially acceptable. Ooh. You know. Um, Nobody that I met ever said anything other than, wow, congratulations, good for you, when I told them I was going to an AA meeting. But when I brought up I was going to a Narcotics Anonymous mm -hmm. meeting, there were people who actually withdrew. You're like, wait, Narcotics Anonymous? You're an addict? Right. And, you know, the public perception back then and maybe still today, I don't even know because um, I guard my, you know, anonymity mm -hmm. in the public sure. for the most part. Um, you know, I, I was going there because it was more socially acceptable um, at that time, where I was, there were many more very attractive women in Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> so it was really totally shallow and selfish, well, the reasons why right. I was going there. Not that I didn't get something from it. Mm -hmm. I did. I learned a lot. Yeah. But my reasons for being there maybe weren't completely about my own recovery. And eventually, I just learned that it really wasn't the place for me. So. Well, here's another question comparing the fellowships, if you don't mind. I'm sure. curious what your thoughts are. What do you think about the spiritual aspect from fellowship to fellowship? I Sometimes we hear, or I've heard, I should say, that, well, AA is more spiritual. There's more God talk in AA and more of that, you know, stuff, for lack of, you know. What are mm. your thoughts? Because I almost tend to agree with it on some level, it, or it's at least presented in such a different way. Maybe it's more out there or something. I don't know. What are your? Do you have any thoughts on that? I agree with it just because of the history of AA and because of the big book and mm -hmm. how the big book is written. Sure. You know, it's definitely, um, while they say it's a spiritual, it's definitely more of a Christian tone to it. 
you know, our literature kind of avoided that even in the very beginning. You go yeah. into the preface of the basic text, and it even doesn't even talk about uh, a higher power. It says it says one point. It only touches on it by saying a greater conscience or something like that. They wanted to stay completely away from anything that might deify what your belief was. You know, they never even in the beginning they don't go near it at all. Gotcha. Um, so, but on the flip side of that, I think that. In Narcotics Anonymous, it's much more accepting of other points of view and other experiences ah. than that fellowship as well. You know, mm-hmm. I was there clean for two years and there prior to finally getting clean, um, and I never met a single atheist in, in AA. I know several, quite a few in Narcotics Anonymous. Interesting. And almost all of them are some of the most grounded, spiritual, kind, yeah. loving. Accepting people I've ever met, you know, and, and that's not shunned, that's not looked down upon. You know, these different points of view I think are, are embraced more in Narcotics Anonymous. So that's just been my it can't maybe that's not everywhere. No, I haven't no. been to every AA meeting, sure, sure. I've only been to AA meetings in the Northeast and the South, Southeast. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, but that's what I saw where I went. So you could say that um, NA has a wider breadth of acceptance spiritually, whereas AA might be narrow and deep. For that, la- I don't know. That's just the way my brain... I understand where you're going with that, but I think that's probably a, a pretty good premise. Fair yeah. enough yeah. premise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, and my journey back then, it, it kind of served me, you know, as a... Okay, you know, um, the, my spiritual path was a different than probably anybody else's or yours or you know it doesn't matter it was mine Mm -hmm. you know and I really didn't um I came in confused about whether if there was a god or Mm -hmm. and if there was I was kind of convinced that he was really pissed at me (laughs) (laughs) because I blamed a lot of the consequences of my decisions on god yeah in early recovery still you know the things you know I, I wasn't fully aware of the consequences of my own action. And when I did become aware of the consequences, I didn't want to take responsibility for those either. You know, it's a process, Yeah. you know, um, but I had an open mind, thank God, mm-hmm. you know, and that allowed me to pursue that relationship, um, at my own speed on my own course without any judgment. You know, I mean, I once had a sponsor who insisted I attend their church and he wasn't my sponsor very long, Right. you know, not one for, corral and sponsees like that, mm-hmm. you know, demand they believe what I believe. Sure. You know, but that, that's one of the beautiful things about Narcotics Anonymous, mm-hmm. though, you know, is I, I get a kick out of when somebody tells me they think we're a cult, <laughs> but we're so free to believe whatever we want to believe. Right. You know? Right. It's just... All we need is a leader. If we had yeah. a leader, we'd be a fucking cult. <laughs> like, it's... If you look at what cults are, that's like the one missing ingredient of the eight ingredients, wherever the hell it is, to make a cult, is we don't have a leader. We yes. have chanting, we have meeting, we have this, we right. have that, like, right. all the things. <laughs> so... Some want to be, but it's, you know, yeah. it's on them. Well, I thought I was going to be the CEO of NA there for a while. <laughs> like, come on, man. Don't you know who I think I am? <laughs> Come no, on. Thank God we don't. Thank God we don't. <laughs> you know? Oh my God! I don't think the, you know, it, our literature even goes into that. You know, thank God we don't make the rules as individuals. Right. You know, we would just crash and burn. You know, but the thing is, like, I know that people laugh, but you know, and I'm not to deride area service or regional service, but they can be tough. Very Let's tough. say that no. they can be tough. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Because humans are involved. 
and personalities are involved, and uh, and that's okay. You see, but but I enjoy the hell out of those. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the hell out of those mm-hmm. because for me, that's kind of like an affirmation that there is a hand other than ours in play. Because Ooh, as as, yeah. as rough and tumble and as brutal and as uh, sometimes you can walk away personally hurt, mm-hmm. you know, whether by your your ego getting hurt or feeling personally attacked. You know, it's it's rough personalities and large personalities usually at that level of service. But I think if there wasn't a higher power involved, somehow we would have crashed and burned a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. You know? So some, we still move forward. We still grow. We still open up meetings. We still uh, help people find recovery and get clean and restore their lives. Right. And get lives they never imagined. Sure. And I don't think that's merely by our own will. Right. Maybe. Especially with the history of like Jimmy K. Like you look yeah. at just some of his history yeah. and you think the guy that started this thing was such a hooligan. Yes. I mean, like yeah. he, ugh. yeah. I mean, he used to, do, he was a fighter. Like he would just mm-hmm. get in fights. Like some of the stuff I've read, I read one story where he was pumping gas one time and somebody looked at him funny and he literally just lit into him and he beat the, literally beat the shit out of someone at a, just, at a gas pump and th- and he had had several years clean by then like he was really a not a great guy on yeah. on in some regards right. but he did this thing yeah. here yeah right like that's so fascinating to me yeah. that you could that's like a di- dichotomy is that the right word yeah. yeah you know you have someone so rough and yeah. kind of bad for lack of a better term I don't want to use that I, but I can relate to that you know, I was violent as hell yeah. You know, and I, I struggled, you know, I was uh, diagnosed back then. It was explosive anger disorder. I don't know what the hell they call it today. <laughs> you know, um, I was prone to just snap, mm-hmm. you know, and anything, the slightest thing I could take as a personal attack. I was childish, short tempered, um, and anything, you know, I always thought that, you know, I didn't always think. I come to realize for me, anger is a secondary emotion. Mm. You know, because anger provides me a, a hit, a rush. Yes. You know, but anger is is not my first response. My first feeling, my first feeling is I've been disrespected. I've been emotionally neglected. I've been, you know, any one of those things that are very uncomfortable to feel. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel that. So I re- replace that with quick to anger because anger is now I'm in charge. Right. You're not going to hurt me, you know. Screw you, F you for the slightest mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. you know. What do you think about that whole nothing personal thing? That's one of my, I believe it. It's one of my big mon- mantras for people is, man, nothing is ever, 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 ever personal. Absolutely. I try, I, to the best of my ability, I still practice that. You know, and I, yeah. I, the book, Four Agreements. Yes, know, was totally. was a book I read on uh, my first, um, what do you call it? Um, get away. We went to... Um, a um, monastery, my first spiritual getaway, whatever you call them, I forget now, missing the word. <laughs> but it was the Franciscan monks up in Graymore in New York. Oh, wow. You know, and it's, it's where um, the first person who died on 9-11, the, the father that was carried out on all the covers of the newspapers, he was a monk from there, oh, you know, wow. Michael Judge. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where the first cross from the World Trade Center went up there. You know, um, the Iron Crosses, they went up there. It's a beautiful place, upstate New York. And, and I brought that book with me in case I would be bored because I was still early in recovery. I'm like, I'm sure I'm going to be bored. Listen to listen, <laughs> a monk's going to tell me how to, how to meditate. This should be thrilling. 
you know, so I brought this book with me. Somebody recommended it. And um, I walked outside and I sat down and I didn't get up for a couple of hours. I read the whole thing and went sitting. Mm-hmm. I was so, and I've given it to sponsees over the years mm-hmm. and they're, they're blown away by it. Yeah. Um, but I do believe in that because very often at my very worst when I lashed out or attacked people, whether verbally or physically, it really wasn't even about them. Mm-hmm. They, re- you know, and still I can feel that today. It doesn't come out in violence or anger anymore. Right. But very often my response to something, a situation or a person, is because it's either a reflection of something mm-hmm. I went through or this person somehow reminds me right. of somebody from the past. And I'm reacting to that old noise rather mm-hmm. than the situation. You know? right. So right. Um, it was a struggle to like, put that into action early on. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, but over time, you know, it became easier and easier to... Uh, not expend mental, emotional, and spiritual energy unnecessarily, you know? Right. I don't think that's infinite for me. I don't think any of those things are infinite. So I value them, and Ooh. I try not to spend them needlessly Ooh, like on that. situations <laughs> that are just going to drain me, you know? Even if, at my heart, I believe I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> that's gold right there. And you'll agree with me, or I'll beat that fact right. into you. <laughs> well, that, or even when someone, you know, comes after us, someone, you mm-hmm. know, says something to us, or yeah. it's just, I go, oh, I know, it's it hurt, it still hurts at times. Yeah, you know, those words can still pierce you, yeah. still trigger you, whatever words you want to put on that. Mm-hmm. But I know deep down inside, it's not right. It's not personal. Something's right. going on with you, or I've said something that triggers you in some way and that's just your way of going hey man no and not that i don't fall short but i also know my experience has been when i do react and i do respond the net benefit is a a loss there's no benefit i lose somehow i lose somebody's respect i could lose a job i could lose my freedom if i really get enraged Mm -hmm. you know um so it it it, it's not worth it to me anymore to respond you know right and and to, to even the playing field or get back and lash back, you know? Right. Um, because I don't have to touch a person to hurt them. You know, one of my first, my first, um, lessons, you know, they used to give us dictionaries, you know, I, I wish yes. they still did. Yes. look up these words, look up these words. And like one of my character defects was sarcasm. And I thought it was entertaining. It proves how intelligent, I <laughs> you know? And I could actually Seinfeld over here. (laughs) I could insult somebody and they wouldn't know it, or they wouldn't figure it out till like two days later, and they'd be like, "That son of a bitch," (laughs) you know. And I'd just be like, "No, I don't know what you mean." But the word, literally, the base of the word, really, literally means tearing flesh. Wow. You know, so the being sarcastic is I'm literally tearing someone's flesh with my words. And like when that was pointed out to me, like I'm a literal person, I like facts and I like to learn. And when I learned that, I was like, "Oh my," you know, I really try not to use sarcasm as a defense mm-hmm. i still engage in it with friends sure. and banter and stuff you know and talking because it's funny as hell sometimes right you know but um as an attack i really try not to do that anymore right right i don't right. want to rip anybody's flesh with <laughs> not my words. today yeah no. gotcha so i mean it's been it's still a process yeah you know? i still fall, sh- fall short sure and, and i'm i'm good with that i'm okay with that today yeah i used to not be okay with that you know but I'm good with that today. And that's success right there. there there's some other success for you. Okay, I got one more spiritual question sure. for you. And then we'll move on to something else. Something you said yeah. brought it up in my brain. So there's this idea of um, 
you know, when we something good happens in our life, we praise God. Oh, God did this for me. Oh, God. But when things go bad, yeah. it's my fault. Look at the shitty decision I made. Mm. Look at this. Look at that. And I've brought this up with other people that have like considerable clean time. I'm like, what do you think of this? Because I and, then, and I ask this on a personal level too. Because I do, I get into this thing of look what you did again, and you know I beat myself up, mm -hmm. and you know blah 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 blah. Yeah, 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 and sure. so I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that whole, you know, with black or white? It's either God did good or you did bad or yeah. something along those lines. Have you ever pondered any of that? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I've talked about that. I've actually shared about that. You know, like like you said, people are quick to say God is good when everything's going great. Yes. You know, but you know, when I walk out in the morning at seven o'clock in the morning to get to a seven fifteen appointment that I'm running late to, <laughs> and I have a flat tire. Uh huh. I may not want to say it, but God's still good at that point too. Right? Mm. God is good. God's good. Right. Right. He's right. Not, I'm not. I'm. I don't believe He's got anything out for me anymore. Right. You know, it's just remembering that God's good in those times where I don't get my way or there's obstacles or challenges. You know, but sometimes you know, things go bad, and see, I have to be careful about me taking blame. See, like as a child and as a young adult, and one of the things I learned in early recovery is like I'm a guilt sponge. Ooh. You know, mm -hmm. I took responsibility for my parents' divorce, my father's alcoholism, my brother's struggles in school. You know, I took responsibility for all these things that I had no part in, you know, mm -hmm. and it really affected my self image and my self worth. Like, if only I did better on that test, mom and dad wouldn't be fighting. You know, if gotcha. only I was a better son and didn't get mom so mad, dad wouldn't be drinking so much. I mean, I would twist things around to make everything my fault. You know, <sighs> so I have to be very careful of that today, and and understand. One of the this is one of the wonderful things I love about Narcotics Anonymous again. And I'm not a cheerleader for not, I don't. <laughs> I, and I I kind of rank on on a friend mutual friend of ours all the time because I don't wear any swag. I don't have key. Right. I don't. You know. I, I don't just either. don't. No swag. You know. But. Um, I remember the first time running across the word humanness in the green and gold, mm. you know, our humanness, learning to accept our humanness. And uh, now all of a sudden I'm like an episode of Family Guy pronouncing the H's like humanness. <laughs> what? Um, our humanness, you know, is a quality that in the concept I didn't even grasp until I read that book, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. You know, and the fact of the matter is I am going to make decisions that are poor decisions i'm going to make decisions that are not based in any spirituality they're going to be they may be based in greed they may be best in envy lust whatever it is i'm going to i can still prone to make those decisions and face the consequences of that and it's not because god is bad and it's not because i'm bad it's because i'm human mm -hmm. that's the human condition right and that's mm -hmm. that's the affliction i'll never recover from i'm human and i'm going to fall short and it's okay you know while it's okay to say damn you really fell short. You need to work on that, do better on that. I don't think it's okay to beat myself up when I fall right. short because I will sometimes when I least expect it. And sometimes when I'm thoroughly convinced I'm doing the right thing. Right. Thoroughly convinced. Absolutely sure what I'm doing is what I should be doing. And I'm right. sure people are looking at me going, what the hell? Is <laughs> you know? Um, the um, Living Clean book. Mm -hmm. which I love that book. I was mm -hmm. pointing at it. You guys don't see me. <laughs> I was pointing at it on the table I can, here. I can vouch for that. <laughs> it, I was reading in it the other day, and it said that failure is sometimes the redirection that we need. Yeah. 
That book, man. Every time Literally. I pick that friggin' book up, it just blows my mind. Yeah. What yeah. is in that Living Clean book? And those are you read other books, and those are concepts of some of the most successful people. You know, yes. that, you know their success was born of a thousand failures. Fail faster is what a lot of exactly. biz, all the biz business gurus say. Fail faster, fail faster. And I'm like, what? 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 When I was oh, in God. sales, I and mean, one of the first things I did clean was sales, obviously, because addicts can sell anything. <laughs> so, of course, I went to that. And they, uh, one of the persons who was mentoring me back then um, changed my frame of reference. And you know, when I said, well, they said no, he'd be like, that's great. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because there's only so many yeses out there. That's right. Every no gets you closer to yes. That's right. So every failure gets you closer to success. Yep. You know, and it's just a mindset you have to have. Yeah. You know? Um, I tell that to the people coming back in, too. Like, and they look at me like, what? And I go, well, if you're going to go back out there, get out and back in as quick as you freaking can, man. Don't go out there and linger. Like, I'm not giving you permission necessarily, but if, you, if that's part of your story, let's... Chop, chop. Let's do this. I had a friend of mine who had made a meeting in California, <laughs> and uh, somebody had walked in and talked about their wife leaving them and getting fired all in the same day. And, like, half the room started clapping. <laughs> That's great. Can't wait to see what your higher power has in store for you. That's I don't know right. if I can go that far and have that kind of mindset. They're actually cheering. You know, this guy's yeah. like, what? Uh, you know, uh, it's okay. Everything's I've faced tragedies and heartache and everything's been okay. Everything's fine. As long as mm -hmm. I don't pick up, it's fine. And I learn from it. And at some point, I get to be somebody else's, you know, touchstone, point of reference right. for those things. You know, that in the moment I don't understand. You know, whether right. it's a loss of a loved one mm -hmm. or a job or, or something, other illness. Mm -hmm. You know, in the moment, it's, I'm human, it's all about me. Right. You know, and I can't see any good coming out of it. Right. You know, but down the road, without fail... It manages to help me help someone else. Right. That's awesome. That's amazing to me. That's what? success again. Like yeah. that's that's this whole idea of what is <clears throat> success and recovery look like, right? So it's like what is art? I know. I know. <laughs> it's <laughs> this is what happens when we're seeking, right? It's like a it's, a, it's a moving target from yeah. from day to day. Yeah. It's you like know? you said earlier, though. You know, in the beginning, you know. Um, Find somebody who has what you want. My first sponsor had a really hot girlfriend and a great car. That's I'm like, right. I want that. That's got to be recovery, mm -hmm. you know. And as I grew and I did the work, you know, I don't think if I had not done the work, you know, my perspective may not have changed at all, you know, because I wouldn't have right. changed. But because I did the work and started, you know, understanding what were defects and what were assets and understanding that I could redefine myself I may not be able to redefine my past or anything like that, but I can redefine how it impacts me and redefine me as a result of that and then choose who I want to be moving forward, you know, um, and my frame of reference changed, you know, and, and you know, there was a point early recovery. I had full-time job, two part-time jobs, doing side gigs, just money, 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 cash, 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 mm -hmm. cash, you know, and um, I, I, of course, you know, had consequences for that, made less meetings, came really close right. to relapsing you know really close and i was just a, a wreck you know um and the less i focused on that the more spiritually fit i became the more the better jobs i got somehow and i didn't need three jobs anymore you know right. it's been like everything where if i simply focus on recovery things that i think i want kind of come without me putting a lot of effort into it you know mm -hmm. there was a time where i was a big people pleaser 
sure. not understanding how deceitful and manipulative that is. I thought I was just being a nice guy. Yeah. What a lie. People pleasing is like the most deceitful, deceptive way to, to establish relationships with people. It's just a lie. Um, and I didn't understand that at first. And I would just like expend so much energy trying to get people to like me, people to approve of me, people to want me around, miss me when I'm gone, all, all this energy into it, you know, and it's like spinning plates, you know, the old yeah. spinning the plates, you pay attention over here and that one falls, you know, and constantly trying to get approval. And then, uh, you know, one day I stopped doing that, you know. Was it a cold turkey thing, or was it like a no. slow... No, it was a gradual thing. Yeah. I, stopped, I did that less and less. I yeah. More often, you know, at first it was simply... I'm say, done! <laughs> yeah. So, so first it was simply saying no sometimes to people. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Sorry. You know, um, and allowing myself to let people down sometimes, yeah. you know. Um, but it seemed like the less I focused on gaining people's approval and just being true to myself... And sharing that experience, more people seemed to gravitate to me. It seemed like without trying, more people liked me. Mm-hmm. More people enjoyed my company. More people, I think at some level, maybe they saw that, that it was people-pleasing. Maybe they saw sure. that it was fake. Right. Because that's really what it is. It's fake. It's a fraud. Right. You're, you're, you're meeting my representative when I'm in that mode. Right? Wow. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. And I think at yeah. some level, even, you know, without being conscious of it, people are aware of that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but the more I've been just true to myself, the more maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Does but it matter? It seems that way. Well, there's the other question. Does it matter? No, not to me. Not anymore. Not it anymore. Doesn't. No. It kind of no. doesn't matter in a weird, in a weird sort of a way. No. Yeah. You know, there's that whole thing around um, clean time. Clean time counts. Clean time matters. Clean time doesn't equal recovery. Old timer. <laughs> Oh, clean, you know, and I've been on all sides of it now, right? Like yeah. I've been the one with fairly young clean time going, well, clean time counts. You're not working any steps. Stupid old timer, blah, blah, blah. And then now I'm on the other side going, hey, man, clean time counts. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe they're both wrong, though, right? It's life experience. Right. And where we are in the moment, our perspective is different, right? The literature contradicts itself. Yeah. And, but it can be, both of them can be right. It says, you know, um, what does it say? Uh, we're not responsible for the outcome. Right. We're only responsible for the effort. We go a few more pages and say, and it says, results are what count in recovery. Well, which is it? Well, Maybe you can't have one right. without the other. But, but you see, it, I understand. Yes, see yes, what I'm yes. Saying, yes. That's, those are contradictory statements, yes. but maybe, maybe they're both right. Because it seems like when I read the literature, when I share with people, what I need to hear, I usually find. And what I need to read, I usually find somehow, miraculously, mm-hmm. a page that I've read that a hundred times that is basically falling out of the basic text I have. <laughs> right. You know, the yellow highlight has now aged to brown. You know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And I'll read it again and just be like, oh my God, yeah, that's it. Of course. Yeah. So yeah. things happen in time for a reason and I don't question it anymore. I don't right. need to figure it out. Right. I don't need to figure everything out. Oh God. I'm always wanting to figure it. That's probably what... <laughs> I've got to figure this out. I have to have to figure out how this is going to work and what's going to happen. And it's like, oh God, Thea, you're really killing yourself here. I'm not going to say don't fall victim to that. But even the the fact that I say fall victim to it tells you that it's not. I a think good we thing all thing. do it on yeah. you know sometimes, some way, some level. And like you said, it's about perspective and being mm-hmm. willing to see it. Like we're all on the path, right? Like yeah. we all talk about like. 
and it's just where are we on the path? Right. We're just, you know, you and I have managed to rack up some days. Yeah. It's a day-to-day, yeah. it's a day-to-day deal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. doing the process, you know, and if I don't have the process to get me the results, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if I don't have the result to make, drive me to in the process, like there's this weird, yeah. there's this weird thing that happens. But you know, you were talking about you know uh, being in charge. Yeah. You know, but it's funny because the people, the people that I know that have done the work and committed to the work and really dug deep, and and, and done the uncomfortable things, you know, and looked at the uncomfortable things, um, with long term time, they're really the people who want to be in charge. Yeah, I don't want to be in charge I don't want to be in charge. You know? And I used, I, that's yeah. the thing, though. You know what? People with less time will let us yeah. be in charge. That's right. I used to not vote at my, my home group until right. everybody voted because right. there was a group of people who would wait to see how I voted. It's <laughs> like, nope. 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 Yeah. I don't. It's not up to me. Yeah. You know, that's what I love about the fellowship is like somebody there were two days clean is every bit of member as me. That's right. Every bit. And they can vote, too. This that's is what I, mean. I think. Cool. That's awesome. Thanks. I love that. I Mm -hmm. just love that. Right. It's a beautiful thing. Right. So one more thing with this success thing, because I've, I've, through doing some of these now, I've, and I love Brene Brown. Do you know who Brene Hmm? Brown is? So everyone should know who Brene Brown is. I'm going to, I'm going to get her. I'm going to get her. (laughs) BB. I'm going to be my BFF. She's going to sit right there in that chair. (laughs) Or she'll probably come on Zoom because, you know, she's Brene Brown. But. She talks about this vulnerability thing all the time, yeah. right? And I can't, uh, lately, I've been wrote it in my notes in here somewhere over the last couple weeks since I've been doing this crazy thing I've been doing. Success is vulnerability. Like, yeah. on all level. Like, again, whether it's biz business or health and fitness or relationships or financially, being willing to take risks, like, whatever. It's mm-hmm. always it takes some courage to step out there and yeah. then some real vulnerability to be able to to push through or do the deal or whatever. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. I can see that. Yeah. You know, I, 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 that's been my experience in a lot of the areas of my most, you know, furthest growth, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know, it did require a large amount of vulnerability to be uh, successful in a relationship, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know, Um it required me getting honest about my part and all the ones that did not work. Correct. You know, and not blame whoever I was with for the for for the relationship ending. You know, mm-hmm. um, it took me a long time to get honest and vulnerable about issues of abuse that I experienced in childhood. Mm-hmm. It took me five years to speak about it. When right. I spoke about it, I was blubbering, snot bubbles. It sure. was horrible. You know, um, and. I don't share, you know, that's about as deep as I'll go in a meeting. Of course. You know, to let people, if they want to talk about it on the side, I'll talk about it. But I talked about it openly with my sponsees and my sponsor. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it took me getting honest about where I was financially to move forward with that and getting honest with myself and letting other people know, mm-hmm. you know, where I was. And um, But yeah, vulnerability is a huge piece of it, you know. Yeah. And, and actually that kind of, um, that attracts me to people when I see them to have that much courage to be that vulnerable. Right. You know, that definitely, because, you know, I used to see that as weakness. And mm. um, I see it now as just the total opposite. It's just an enormous amount of strength to share some of the stuff we need to share in order to can heal or grow. You know, just an enormous amount. Right. You know? I, I mean. 
So the places where we could have the most success or the most growth, whatever terminology you want to put on that, might even be and are maybe (laughs) the places where we have the most struggle. Like the places where we're the lowest, so to speak, or the places where we've struggled the most are the places where we have the most um, potential for growth and spiritual growth and getting things better and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, but like you said, you know, the the thing beyond that is um, having the courage, having the faith, right? And having the courage and faith to be that vulnerable to mm-hmm. to, to to not only look at my part and my position at the moment, you know, but what my part and position was in previous that brought me to, to that point. Gotcha. Because you, know? um, you know, this is, my recovery is about seeing the patterns that have been established that I was blind to, right? That's what a lot yes. of recovery was, is, is understanding those patterns that I didn't see for very long. Because I didn't want to see, didn't care to see, didn't take the time to see. Mm-hmm. You know, um, But then understanding those patterns of what my part were in all those areas where I may have fallen short, um, that allowed me to, to have my eyes open when I started engaging in those patterns again. You know? But that, you know, I probably wouldn't have stopped myself if I didn't do what was required of me or asked of me in Narcotics Anonymous, but share about those things, those vulnerabilities right. and those shortcomings with a sponsor, you know, with my God of my understanding, you know, in that process. So right. really it all goes back to the process that allowed me to get to those truths, right? you know, in order to move on from, and they're uncomfortable truths, you know, totally. I was terrible in relationships for the longest time, just yeah. horrible, you know, yeah. but, but like you said, you know, the most painful relationship I was ever in, in is the exact same thing that allowed me to have the relationship I have today. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have been possible without that. You couldn't have told me that in the in the moment. Right. You know, when it was over, I was gripping the chair in front of me in a meeting, just like trying not to throw it and <laughs> wanting to scream. I was in so much pain. Yeah. You know, but that very same relationship is the one that allowed me to have the one I have today, which mm-hmm. is amazing because I learned so much from it. Right. That's like, like we just said, that's where all the growth takes place and we have to go through it. Yeah. There's just no way around the, it, I mean, there is, there's the people around the rooms that don't do much of anything and they're on their path. (laughs) I say that every time, but they're on their path and they're right where they're supposed to be and yay for you. And maybe someday you'll do some work. I don't know. But the, for me anyway, what I found is, you know, I have, I have to do this stuff and then like the the reward for the work is more work like this isn't a well i've done this much okay i'm good to go now <laughs> but when we do take you know stand on that courage and that faith or whatever you want to call it whatever anybody else wants to call it you know when we do and we do do that work and go through it the other side it's friggin' beautiful yeah i mean the freedom is amazing yeah you know and it and at the end it's, it's everything i've read in that is true it's freedom of self Yes. You know, I convince myself I'm trapped by these other things, you know, uh, but it's really freedom of self and my own uh, incorrect lessons or whatever you want to say that I've learned along that I learned along the way. You know, yeah. the bad information that I absorbed and the, the beliefs that were based in fear that I, you know, for the longest time that I held on to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and getting through that. You know, um, the other side of it's friggin' amazing. Yeah, it, it's amazing. You know, I look back on some of this stuff, and I'm like, man, I can't believe I did that crap. <laughs> I can't believe I went through that for so long. I held that resentment for so long. Mm-hmm. I repeated those patterns for so long. They did nothing for me. 
I gained nothing from them, but I, man, I held on to them mm-hmm. for, for because it's all I knew, right? Right. Distorted comfort and familiar pain. Yeah, and I think it becomes our identity. Absolutely. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, oh, but these things become our identity, and yeah. it's just like, well, I'm a this, and I'm a that, and yeah. I'm a this, and I'm a that, yeah. and so I have to, if I do anything to change the story, then I'm screwed. <laughs> what am I, I going to do now? The story's changed. <laughs> that's, we spoke about that earlier. I, I yes. My hatred for my father yes. was part of how I identified myself growing up. Right. Yeah. You know? My father is this, my father is that, he did this, he did that. I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, mm-hmm. I'm a victim. Right. And, uh, you know, um, coming to a place, what woke me, I don't know how much time we have. <laughs> um, my father was never present in my life, really, emotionally. Okay. When, when we, my parents split when I was like 12. Um, he wasn't available emotionally, barely there physically. He wasn't somebody I looked up to. He wasn't somebody... Um, I wanted to be like, um, he wasn't involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was my fault, of mm-hmm. course, you know? Um, and when I finally got, and like I said, we didn't talk for 18 years. And when I finally got into recovery and started to look at me and realized that for my friends and family, I was really barely ever physically there. When I was, I wasn't emotionally available. I wasn't anybody they looked up to or wanted to become, you know, everything I found about me was the things I thought about my dad. Yep. And I'd also come to understand that he was an active... You know, and those are all things that I knew about me even when I was trying my best. Really trying my best. Convinced I was doing everything I possibly could to succeed or be a better person or be that son or that... Whatever it was. Trying my hardest, I thought. And that's when it occurred to me. Holy crap, maybe he was too. Maybe he was too. Yep. You know, he was an active alcoholic. That's the best he could do. Right. You know, and then I went to a midnight meeting, and a guy was wearing a local shirt, for, a local three shirt for his union. And you know my dad, and I told him who my dad was, and he goes, "That's your dad," <laughs> and I'm waiting to hear the horror story. Right. And he goes, "That man's a prince," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> he goes, "Your dad is a prince," and it just floored me. I'm like, "My dad is a prince." Somebody looked at my dad like that. That's what they thought of him. Um, and when I reached out to him, he had five years sober. You know, after 18 years, I reached out to him, and he had five years sober, and we became the best of friends. I mean, the best of friends. You know, it was like a new. Uh, we didn't harp on the years lost. Right. You know, we embraced the moment for the moment. Thank God. You know, and it was odd because uh, we didn't talk for 18 years, and I think I was about clean for 18 or 19 years when he passed. Yeah. You know, so we had that time together. You That's know, awesome. It was amazing. It was amazing. You know, one of the things I'm most grateful of is uh, learning to understand who I was. Who I was allowed me to forgive him. You know, and, and there was like such a huge gift that came from that. Just that one relationship that was repaired. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It happened. Uh, you know, I don't miss. I don't lose sleep over the 18 years we didn't speak. Yeah. You know, because what we had was worth all of it. You know, and. It, he had to have his. He had to find his path before we exactly. came together. You know, it wouldn't have worked if he hadn't right. found recovery. Right. You know, so it was very cool. I think that's a good place to stop. Okay. Very cool. That was awesome. I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was quick. Man, it's 42 minutes already. My God. <laughs> this 
do it over. I got more to say. <laughs> you can come back, man. I, we'll get you back. This is I'm fun, sure isn't I totally it? messed this up, and it's all my fault. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Uh, all right. All right, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you. And thanks. Great. I had a lot of fun. I good. Really did. Good. And thanks everyone for listening. And I'll be back uh, tomorrow. Oh, jeez. Peace out, everyone. Have a great day. Bye. <laughs> all right, everyone. That's another episode of the Corner of Here and Now. Thank you for joining me. If you like what you're hearing, please share, comment, and/or subscribe. Please know that the music used in this podcast is the one and only Kenny Cordray. The song is called Rojo that was generously donated by his family. Until the next time we meet on the corner of here and now, remember, we're all just walking each other home. Peace out.